Lord Jesus, in this place tonight, we, we come with open hearts. We come with open hands. We know that you have made a way for us to know the Father. And we are so grateful that there is no power on heaven, in heaven or on earth, that is greater than yours. That you can make a way for us to live eternally, for us to have peace, for us to know you. And so Holy Spirit, in this place tonight, I ask that you would just breathe on us again. Holy Spirit, refresh us. You know, we've come in from a week. Maybe everyone here has had a different week, but we've had busy weeks. We've had moments this week uh, where we felt dry, maybe, where we felt alone at times. Maybe moments where we felt frustrated and angry. Um, Some of us, hopefully we've experienced joy as well this week. But Holy Spirit, we know that true joy is found in you. And so we just welcome you and we thank you. We know that you are with us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ladies, you're welcome to take your seats tonight. I just cannot tell you how wonderful it is for me to be here with you tonight. Um, Many of you, most of you know our story, but I know that there are some people here tonight, maybe you haven't met me before, maybe you don't know a little bit about my story, so I'd love to just share that with you quickly. My name is Angela, and I'm married to Josh, and about 12 years ago we moved from Cooma, so we met in Cooma and married there, and we moved from Cooma here to Canberra, and um, we felt God speak to us about planting churches here in Canberra and in the region. And so we started what was called Life City Church um, back in 2007. And so fast forward from there, we have four children now. Um, and I'm really sorry, I will bring you a photo tomorrow because I know that some of you will not have met my children and I would love to show you a photo of them. So I'll bring that tomorrow and a photo of my husband. Uh, but we, um, I guess... Yeah, we planted Life City Church and that church grew. There are now seven churches and we call ourselves now Divergent Church. And so that is the the gathering of women um, that you find yourself in tonight, a part of the Divergent Church um, here in Canberra and in New South Wales. Uh, What happened just 18 months ago is the church sent Josh and I to Turkey, to the Middle East. And so we reside in a city called Izmir on the west coast of Turkey. And we've been there for 18 months and um, we are extending um, the kingdom of God in Turkey. Uh, It's the simplest way to put it. That's what we um, feel called to do. And so with this church um, has sent us and really everything we do comes out of um, I guess the family that we have here and the encouragement that we receive here from all of you from Divergent Church. And so, you know, we um, regularly, we're right where Paul was. Um, Ephesus, you would would know possibly the book of Ephesians. It was written to the church in Ephesus. It was, um, it was actually written as a circular letter that was spread to all the churches in that area. And so, you know, we feel like we've gone back to the very birthplace of the church. But can I tell you that there are very few Christians there now in Turkey. So when we read uh, Galatians, Philippians, when we read uh, the letters that were written to Timothy, 
You know, the church at the time was exploding and growing. It's been 2,000 years since those letters were written and a lot has changed. A lot has changed. Uh, we are working amongst Muslims mostly and... Um, yeah, we just so covet your prayers. Um, God is on the move. He is working in the Middle East. And I have so many stories that I could share with you about that. Um, but I guess I just want to emphasize how fabulous it is to be back with you. Because when I read the letters that Paul wrote, he talks to the church as his family. And he talks so often about his longing to be with them and, and when he will uh, meet them again. And we read these books, we read his letters in Izmir, and I feel exactly the same way he feels when I think of you guys. And I just, I love being back here. I love being with family. And so um, if it's your first time here tonight, if you're new to Divergent Church or you're just getting to know us as a family, we hope that you feel welcome and that you feel loved. Um, we just want to welcome you and, and hope that you really find home here in this place. Um, so I have been... I knew that I was coming back here for this summit for about 12 months, which means I've been planning these messages for about 12 months, which can I tell you is not a lot of fun. <laughs> um, it's probably better, and my husband, who is a fabulous teacher and preacher, said to me, wait until the last two weeks, like just, just relax, it'll come together, you'll, you'll work it out. Um, but honestly, the idea for the theme, and the theme of this summit really is... Uh, strength in weakness and we'll be looking mostly at Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12 over the weekend because there is an incredible passage where Paul writes about his own weakness and I have to be honest with you I don't like to talk about my weakness I don't like actually if I'm really honest I get a little bit embarrassed when I see other people's weakness sometimes I don't know if you've ever felt like that if you've watched somebody fail at something and you kind of like oh I'll just pretend I didn't see that it's a little bit daunting I guess or we just we feel a bit of shame um, and so when I first started pondering this idea it actually came out of a conversation that Josh and I were having because we just watched a movie where a young woman had single-handedly in physical combat taken out about six bodybuilding kind of military combat men right and so it's a typical Hollywood movie we're watching this woman do her stuff and she was amazing um, but I have to admit I kind of at the end of it was like yeah that's not really real have you ever watched a movie like that like have you you know it actually it's happening quite a lot I think in uh, the times that we're living in and I think as women in the times that we are living in at the moment there is this tension because I don't know about you but I have daughters and I and it's not just because I have daughters but I really believe in the strength of femininity and in the value of woman, in the, the way that God has created us, in the part that we play, we, um, we are designed to be uh, strong and to be of value. And it is very important for us in the world that we live in to encourage one another, to, um, to lift women up. And, and I think, and the world is saying the same thing. The world is encouraging women to be strong be independent and hopefully I pray that many of you were raised in families you were encouraged to be independent to be strong and to follow your passions and desires we live in Australia in a place where most of the time we have the freedom to make our own choices 
as a woman. Not a, it's not like that for everyone around the world, but for us it is. And I think that's fabulous. But there's kind of this tension of, you know, I'm a woman, I can do whatever I need to do, I can be the person I need to be for the task. And then there's these moments still where our weakness is really obvious. You don't have to go very far online. Um, you know, you can just Google some statistics about the vulnerabilities of women. And the, the, for many women, even in our own nation, who, um, you know, are not able to live a strong and healthy life, um, it is very, very real that women and children, but women are more vulnerable often than men. And so we live in a world that wants to shout to us, you are strong and you can do it. And I certainly know that we should be encouraging that. But this weekend, I want to talk about those moments when we feel utterly at a loss, when we feel completely burdened beyond our strength, that we despair of life itself. And I know that each and every one of us will experience those moments in life if we have not already. There will be moments in life where for whatever reason, whatever circumstances going on around us, we will feel like we don't have the strength, we don't have the giftings or the ability. And so I'm not talking tonight about your weakness for chocolate or your weakness for a glass of wine or maybe your inability to get up when your alarm goes off. I'm also not talking about your decision to disobey God or your unwillingness to forgive someone. So we're not necessarily talking about sin. We're talking about a weakness actually that also isn't specific to women. And so I know that this is a women's summit, but this weakness that we're going to be looking at that Paul speaks of is actually for all of humanity. It is common to all of mankind. And I am sure that you will agree with me that you may have already had a moment like that in life or a moment maybe perhaps when you felt on top of the world where everything has been going right and you want to sing that song, I am woman, hear me roar. And, you know, life is just going fabulous. And then within a few moments, maybe a few days or weeks, it feels like the world is caving down around you and you just don't know where to turn to. You just don't know who to talk to. And so I wonder, how do we live with this tension? Sometimes, and maybe it is because I'm a woman, sometimes I feel like I'm just on an emotional roller coaster. Like there are so many fabulous things going on and life is fabulous and it's all going really well. And then there's just drama and problems and things that I don't want to think about. I wonder if forever running from our weakness and our vulnerabilities is exhausting us. The pressures of what the world may expect a brave, independent woman to look like is really the kind of life that God intends for us. I wonder if this is what scripture means when it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Does that scripture from 2 Corinthians mean that I will no longer have to deal with my insecurities, that I will no longer suffer pain or misfortune? And I really don't understand all the time what it means when Paul says, I delight in my weakness. Have you ever read these passages and thought, what is he actually talking? I, like, I've grown up in a Christian family, so I've heard these verses all my life and just gone, yeah, 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 like, what a great passage of scripture. But what does that actually mean? How do we delight in our weaknesses? I don't want to look weak. I don't want to be vulnerable. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8, Paul says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, 
so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. That's pretty bad. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. If you've ever had a moment in life where maybe there are some people in this room who you have been given a sentence of death, maybe in a medical diagnosis. Maybe you felt just like life is not worth living anymore. I don't know how to cope with this. I don't know what the answer is. Paul felt like that. But he continues that verse and he says, but this happened that we may not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Amen? Amen. So Paul is speaking of these kinds of moments when you've reached the end of your rope, when it seems like all hope is lost, when you have no one to turn to, maybe the money in the bank has all run out and you have no idea how you will go on. He's speaking to these moments of weakness and vulnerability. So I'd love for you to open your Bibles with me tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because we're going to look at what Paul has to say here and I'm just going to pray. Lord, as we open your word tonight, we know, Holy Spirit, that uh, you will speak to us. Thank you for your word. We thank you that it brings life and it brings freedom. And so we just prepare ourselves to receive from you tonight. Lord, however you want to speak, however you want to do it, please use me and um, just use me to speak your words. And may every life here be touched and changed tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. And we kind of come in on a conversation here. Paul says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. So I've got to stop right there, actually. I don't know if that very first line caught you, but it gets me every time. Paul says, I must go on boasting. And that gets my attention immediately because I think as an Australian, we don't really like boasters. Like, I don't know about you, but you think about our... We have a dictionary full of words for people who are a bit arrogant and up themselves. And, um, you know, maybe bragging. Um, you might say she thinks she's the bee's knees. Um, you know, like we have this whole range of words to describe people that we generally don't like because they boast and they brag and they're, you know, a little bit up themselves. And so as a Christian, even more so, I was like, well, boasting, I should never boast. I remember as a child thinking that, even at school, boasting was not something I should do. But... And, and it's kind of funny because it's almost like in this passage, Paul wrestles with that whole idea um, because he says, I will boast, I, I could boast about myself, but I'm not going to. Um, what I will do is I will boast about a man who I know who had this incredible revelation from God. And so he then launches into that story. But then in verse five, he says, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Now, we know no one likes to listen to a boaster. I get that. But why would anyone want to listen to someone talk about their weaknesses, brag about their weaknesses, go on and on about their weaknesses, their trials, their tribulations? To me, it seems a little bit countercultural. We want to hear people's success stories. Am I right? You want to hear that if you do hear the bad stuff, you want to hear that clincher at the end, no, this is the good stuff. Um, and yet Paul says... I'm going to boast about my weakness. 
He says, I could tell you about all the wonderful things I've done in the spirit, dreams, the miracles, the revelations. Paul talked to governors and rulers. He had so much he could have boasted about. But he says in verse 6, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations... Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. I think it's important here to note that Paul directly tells us that his weakness, his vulnerability, the thorn in his flesh was sent from Satan. And I believe that's important because often we can blame God. We can think that he's the one doing this and we can start to turn our heart against him or away from him. Um, but actually, God doesn't bring evil on us. That's the enemy's work. And so it's, I, I just want to be clear here that if you are in a moment of suffering, it is quite likely the attempt of the enemy to bring you down. But still, God is at work in these moments. And so in verse 8, Paul says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And I love this because it shows Paul, I feel like it shows him almost begging. You know, he has repeatedly come to the Lord and said, please take this away from me. And I wonder, and I know, I know so many of you have had moments like that and situations like that. And we've gathered together in prayer and we've prayed for miracles and we've prayed for victories. And that is a beautiful response to a moment of suffering and to weakness. And so Paul begs for relief and the Lord answers him. And in verse 9 it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So tonight, this I believe is the point of the whole of what Paul is saying. The ultimate purpose for our sufferings is that the power of Christ may be made perfect in us. And I just want to let those words sink in. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. When I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul outlines here for us, you know, he had the thorn in his flesh, and we don't know exactly what that was, but he had sufferings. Even um, aside from that thorn in, in the flesh, he records many of the sufferings that he went through and the trials and tribulations that he went through. And he lists for us other examples like insults. When people think of clever ways of making your faith or your lifestyle or your words look stupid or weird or inconsistent, have you ever experienced insults in life? Or maybe hardships, which are circumstances that are forced upon you. Maybe it's a reversal of fortune against your will. Or it could refer to any situation where you feel trapped. You didn't plan it or think it would be this way, but there you are. And it's hard. It's tough. Or maybe persecution. Maybe wounds or wounds or abuses or painful circumstances or, or acts of prejudice or exploitation from people because of your faith, because of your Christian moral commitments. It's when you're not treated fairly because of what you believe and you feel like you get the raw deal. And then there's calamities or perhaps distresses or difficulties or troubles. It's the idea of pressure or crushing weight 
circumstances that just overcome you and you feel so overwhelmed. Maybe you felt at times like you can't breathe anymore or there's been anxiety and panic, stress and tension. You know, and I read through those difficulties, those hardships that we experience in life and um, even reading it makes me feel a bit depressed, makes me feel a bit down. And I wonder, could it be that the best way that we glorify Christ is in the midst of these moments, in the midst of these trials and tensions? Is, the, is it in these moments, moments often that we are trying to run away from, let's be honest, trying to get away from them, trying to solve them as quickly as possible, trying to maybe we're in denial and we're trying to pretend that they're not even there, they don't exist. How do we allow Christ's power to be made perfect in those moments? And how do we show that to others? Because at the end of the day, right, we live to glorify Christ. And so if, you know, we talk a lot about sharing the gospel and, um, and declaring who Jesus is in our life. We talk about demonstrating. And I think often when we talk about demonstrating who he is and what he's done, we think about random acts of kindness and um, just being a blessing to others and, you know, doing really great things. And all of those things are really important. But is it possible that in the demonstration of our worst moments, in the demonstration of the hardest times in life, that we can demonstrate the power of Christ and that that can be the best way that our colleagues, our friends, our family, the neighbours can actually see Christ's power and who he is. And I think if that is, and I believe that is what Paul is saying to us, then why are we running away? Why are we hiding? Why are we trying to solve them? And I get it. I know why we are, because nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to go through pain. But if we can understand this a little bit more, if we can encourage one another and do this as a group of women, I wonder what power be on display like what people will see we could try to do these things in our own strength we could try to fix our broken relationships or you know whatever problems is we're going through and you will often hear fabulous stories of people who have overcome in their own strength um, and we love a great testimony like that don't we where you know it might not be someone who believes in Jesus but just those moments where people have recovered from great hardship but my question to us tonight as a gathering of women, as a gathering of followers of Christ, is who is getting the glory in these moments? In those moments, it's either us or it's Jesus. And we get to make that decision. So if weakness is the doorway to true strength, how do we keep that door open? And so I just want to give you a couple of thoughts that we can take from Paul. I love that verse that we just read, and I really believe that the first thing we need to do, um, and really this is a daily life position in a sense. It really doesn't matter how our circumstances are, but we should always be in a posture of humility, a posture where, like where Paul begs, three times I begged of the Lord to remove this from me. He's, I imagine him down on his knees. Like I imagine him begging and pleading and crying, Lord, remove this from me. And that posture when we come to the Lord is a beautiful place to be. And it's a place where we need to be, down on our knees, in communion with 
him, asking, Lord, would you remove this? I think that's a fair question. I think it's okay to come to him and to say, God, maybe you need healing in your life. Come to God. God, I need healing. Would you heal me? Would you heal my child or my mother or my father or, you know, whoever it is? Would you break through in this area? Would you cause a miracle to happen. We need to be in a posture consistently where we're coming before the Lord and saying to him, act, please act on my behalf. I need you. And when we are down in this posture of humility, it puts God right where he belongs in his rightful place as Lord and King over our lives. So we can pray for relief. And you know, God may answer very quickly over and over again in scripture. We see miraculous times where God answers, where he heals, where he provides, where he breaks through. We've seen it all through history. And I know that we have all seen that. I know many of us have seen that in our lives. God answers. He's a miracle working God. And we can believe in faith that he will hear our prayer and answer and that he will deliver us. But there are also moments in scripture when people cried out to God And the response was a little bit different. And that's exactly what we've just read here with Paul, where the Lord has answered him, he's heard his prayer, and he said, I have given you everything you need to get through this circumstance. And I know that there are people here tonight who need to hear that. There are circumstances, there are moments, there are things going on in your life tonight where you've been praying, you've been crying out, and God is saying to you, my grace is sufficient for you. I have given you everything you need for this moment. I'm with you. I'm walking with you. I'm carrying you. My spirit is in you. You have all that you need for this moment. And so can I encourage you, maybe you're in a moment like that right now and you haven't yet got on your knees prayed. Maybe you need to grab a few girlfriends, grab somebody to pray with you and ask God for an answer. Ask him to speak to you. He will talk to you. The other thing that I just did want to mention in here is that um, fasting is something that we see all through the Bible for moments of hardship, for moments of disaster, moments when uh, People don't know the way to go and fasting is a biblical practice and something that has been given to us. And you know what fasting does? It makes us weak. And I just, to me, it just kind of emphasizes to me how important it is that we are weak before God. And maybe you need to fast over your situation. Maybe you need to pray and fast. Maybe again, you can ask people to do that with you Um, because in our weakness, God makes us strong. And so secondly, when it comes to um, walking in life in moments of hardship, I think it is so important to do it with people. And I've just mentioned, you know, praying together, but God has given us the church for a reason. The people that are sitting around us tonight are journeying in life with us for a reason. And we are encouraged and we should be sharing our moments of weakness with one another so that we can help one another, so we can carry one another's burdens, so that we can encourage one another. Proverbs talks about iron sharpening iron. And, you know, I want to be strong and I want to be sharp, but I need you to help me in that. We need each other. And so as we share our lives together, particularly our weakness, which we don't often want to share, God actually uses the people around us to strengthen us and to display his power. So can I encourage you, if you're going to be investing in relationships, invest in the other people around you who are following Christ. Spend time with them, whether it's in your life community, however it is, you know who they are, the people in your life 
who follow Jesus, who love him. Maybe you don't have many people like that in your life. There are a whole room full of women here tonight who would love to get to know you. Um, But friendship is so important for us when we carry these burdens. Don't ever underestimate the strength you will find in sharing your burdens with your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is one of the prime reasons for the church. We've all been given gifts to equip each other, but if we don't share them, we don't share our struggles and our trials we will be left weak and we will be left experiencing um, we won't experience that true strength that Christ gives and thirdly Paul says uh, sorry the Lord said to Paul my grace is sufficient for you my power is made perfect in weakness and so the last I guess the last thought that I want to leave you with tonight is that it is power It is God's enabling power that is available to each and every one of us. And this is exactly what is right there waiting for us in those moments, in those difficult moments. God's answer to Paul is, I have power for you. I have the enabling. I have the ability. I can give this to you. I can work in you and through you. Let me do that. And so both responses of posture, the posture that we take and the people in our life are evidence of Christ's power at work. Deliverance displays God's immediate power. Perseverance displays his ability to work through us. And when we need to persevere, when his response to us is my grace is sufficient, can I tell you, you will want brothers and sisters alongside of you to help you persevere. That is when you will see the power of God at work. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we read about the end of the disciples' journey with Jesus on earth. And, you know, they had experienced so much of the power of God, miracles and wonders and just incredible, um, amazing moments walking day by day with Jesus. And yet, Jesus' last words to them were, wait here to receive power from the Holy Spirit. You've been walking with me every day and yet you are still weak. You are not sufficient on your own. And so he says to them, wait, because the Holy Spirit will fill you with power. And so in my mind, as I read this, I think it's really irrelevant how much we achieve in life, how great we become in our own strength. We're actually always going to find ourselves weak. We are always going to come to a point that brings us to the power of the cross. Acts chapter 1 shows us that without the Holy Spirit, we are unable to witness the power of Christ to unbelievers. We are too weak to do it on our own. Can I finish with this verse? I have a few, actually a couple of verses. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. And 2 Peter chapter 1, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So as we hang in this moment, we're actually going to receive communion. And so I've asked um, that the emblems be handed out because, you know, I, I spoke at the beginning of the message about how 
I don't like people to see my weakness or my vulnerabilities and how I also don't like to often look at other people's vulnerabilities. Like sometimes it can be a bit awkward or a bit embarrassing. And um, just this week as I was going over these notes, I just started thinking about Jesus on the cross. And you know, I don't think we can have a message like this and not talk about the greatest display of weakness that the world has ever seen. The King of Kings, the Creator of the universe, the Lord of Lords hanging on a cross. And I started thinking about what the disciples must have been thinking when they were standing at the cross. And I started thinking, what would I be thinking? And I, if I'm truly honest, I think I would have been embarrassed. I think I would have been ashamed. I would have been like, what was I thinking? I was following this guy. I thought he was king of kings. I thought he was going to take the world and like bring in a new government and rule with power and might. And here he is in the most shocking display of vulnerability and weakness. Um, I wonder if I would have even just not shown up, run and hid away. And so as you hold the emblems, I want you to think for a moment of his body that was broken and his blood that was shed and that moment of public weakness. Jesus himself knew who he was. He knew that in a sense, the cross was not where he belonged. That in a moment he could have called down angels. And yet he hung on a cross in full view. The whole world saw and still sees today. Naked, humiliated, whipped and beaten, shamed he didn't have anywhere to run and hide he carried the most crushing weight that anyone will ever have to carry the weight of the sins of the entire world and I wonder if just like Peter I would have denied even knowing him you know I can't claim that I understand everything about this transaction that happens when we become weak and he becomes strong. I don't fully understand what happened that day on the cross. I don't fully comprehend it and I don't believe that I ever will fully understand the the whole picture in, in its completeness because it is far beyond my mind. It is far beyond my understanding. But I do know this. I know that God used the greatest moment of shame and weakness that the world has ever witnessed. The very king of the universe despised and rejected. He used that moment to unleash the most powerful life-saving miracle 
that the world will ever need. Ever need. Done in a moment. Finished. And I also know that in amongst that shame and that guilt and that fear and that vulnerability, that death was absolutely crushed and that the Son of Man was raised to life again. Life was and is victorious through Jesus. What I do know is that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it lives in me and it lives in you, it lives in us as a community and it is spreading all around the world, even to places like Turkey and the Middle East. What I do know is that the Holy Spirit uses that same power in our weakness to make us strong as He did when Christ was raised again to life. And He uses it to display His power, His grace and His mercy to the world. And so this is my prayer. This is my hope. It is that as a church, we would never be ashamed of our weakness, but that we would boast in it. I hope that we would all be braggers in some way, that we would boast in our weakness, knowing that it is our weakness that God uses to display His power. And I pray that we would use it to display the never-ending power of salvation that is the gift of Christ to all humanity. So why don't we eat and drink together tonight and remember Jesus. Lord Jesus, you know that I don't want to be weak. Um, I'm guessing most of us don't like to be weak. But when we look at the cross and when we think of you and what you've done for us, we know that you became weak, that you took our place 
that you went before us and showed us what it looks like to be completely vulnerable, to be completely weak and rejected and despised. And um, Lord, we want to be like you. We want to follow you. We thank you so much that because of your death, we can have the power of the Holy Spirit. We can know the Father. We can have new life. Though we may suffer in this life, though we will have hardships, we actually look forward to a greater moment, a moment when we will be free from all of it. We have that hope, we have that faith. We know that one day, every tear will be wiped away and we will no longer suffer. Um, but Lord, in the meantime, as we make that journey, Lord, help us to love one another. Help us to just lean on you. Help us to carry one another's burdens and to persevere. Holy Spirit, we need you to be able to persevere in this life. Um, we just, we love you, Lord. We want to worship you. And so we say, we just, we adore you. In Jesus' name.